Hello, and welcome to the Raising Athletes podcast. My name is Kirsten Jones, a peak performance and sports parenting coach and author of the newly released Raising Empowered Athletes book. How do we help raise not only strong athletes, but happy, brave, and more importantly, most importantly, resilient kids in, an, in an, a time when we're all doing too many things, going too many directions, and our kids are starting to feel the pressure of that. So I have a great guest on today, Corey Heights, who runs, you know, helps parents on the on the other end of high school find spots for their athletes, basketball athletes who want to play beyond high school. And I am a consumer of of uh, you know having two boys played at prep school, so I understand kind of how the process works. But I get a lot of questions. I got a lot of parents who reach out who say, how does this, what is prep school and how does this whole thing work? I know it's becoming a much more accepted and um, particularly post-COVID, but aware, people are aware of it. But I always love to talk to the, to the specialists. So thank you, Corey, for being on and Prep Athletics and tell us all about who you are and what you do there. Yeah, well, Kirsten, thanks for having me on. And yeah, I'm going to plug the book as well because... Uh, you were kind enough to send me a copy after showing up on my podcast, and I loved reading it. And I've got a five and two year old at, at home here, so you planted some seeds with me that uh, I will now use as they go through the ranks, whether they play sports or not. So, um, good. And, and, that, and that's what I like to say: it's not about raising an athlete; it's about raising an artist or a scientist or take out take out athlete, put in whatever whatever their passions are. And at two and five, like this is where the fun begins. Right? Yeah. It should be fun at this age. Absolutely. So yeah, like you said, uh, I run prep athletics and what I do is I help families from around the world uh, find the right fitting prep school. And there's about 120 out there in America that have basketball programs. They're just like D1. They're all different shapes and sizes. And I help families take that big number and I narrow it down to the right fitting three to five you know, schools for each family that I think is the right fit based on how good the player is, what kind of experience they want what their grades are, and then ultimately uh, what the finances of the family are. And once I know all that, and after doing this 15 years, I kind of know which schools will be uh, potential good fits for families. And then I connect them to the coaches, let the coach do their pitch, let the family ask questions, and uh, and ultimately let them choose the right fit for their situation, right? So think of me as a prep school basketball guidance counselor. And so how do people normally come? Is it through a referral from a coach or how do people find you? If you type in prep school basketball anywhere in the world on Google, it's usually IMG and myself fighting for that top spot. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people, it's through just searching on the internet for what prep school is or what's a post-grad year. And then, yeah, absolutely. Since I've been doing this 15 years, uh, the tentacles just keep growing across the globe. Um, I've placed kids from 25 different countries and for people that have good experiences, they talk and they share the story. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's growing exponentially, which is, which is, a, it's great because uh, especially since COVID Kirsten, more and more people now know about prep schools and are asking more questions mm -hmm. and they're looking into it. And um, yeah, every day I've got people reaching out from all over the world, all walks of life, just trying to learn more and see if their kids, if this is, a, if this is an option that makes sense for them. So you said you mentioned people talk who have good experiences and also people talk when they have horrible experiences. And I was just in Dallas this uh, past weekend and it was lacrosse, so it wasn't basketball. But um, she had sent her son out there to reclassify out east from Dallas. And 
was promised some money, was, you know, was promised a great education and was promised a D1 offer. Um, and of course, none of that happened. So, I mean, okay, great lacrosse happened. I will say that she, she said he did become a better lacrosse player. It was at a higher level, all of that. How do you, I mean, obviously you're getting, you have the relationships with them, but parents who don't understand or don't have the connections, right? Like how do, how do they, how can you help navigate that if they're not obviously working with you? Uh, people do it all the time. Like very, a very small percentage of kids use consultants to find the right prep school. I mean, you're an example of that too. You talk to coaches, uh, you talk to contacts, you, you did your research, you talked to, uh, admission folks, you went on visits, you, you did everything yourself by talking to people. Right. And that's mm -hmm. a way to do it. And you did of all the parents I've met, Kirsten, you've done probably the most due diligence of any of them. And yeah. the outcome was actually good results for your kids. Right. What happens uh, a lot of times is that Everybody out there, whether it's a coach, a parent, a player, has heard of one or two prep schools, right? Everyone's heard of Brewster, IMG, South Kent, the heavy hitters. But, hey, my neighbor might have gone to Holderness. Or, hey, uh, I know my teammate is, uh, is going to this prep school next year. And that's how a lot of families find out about a prep school. And that's the one they reach out to and might ultimately go to. And it could be the absolute wrong fit for them, right? So, you know, I can't help everybody because I'm very selective on who I work with because I don't take on clients that – uh, prep schools wouldn't want. And that, you know, depends on how good a player is, how interesting they are, uh, what their grades are. And then the finances, right? It's, it's a combination. Kids that don't mm -hmm. have money, there's a way to go to prep school for free. It's just, there's a couple of parameters you got to have for yourself and boxes you got to check, but you do not need a consultant to do this, but you also don't need, you know, great insurance policy either. You do to have a, a car registration and to have a house mortgage, you need insurance, but I'm like special insurance to where, Families hire me to ensure they're talking to the right fitting schools. Because remember, there's 120 out there, right? How do you know the one you're talking to or the one your AU coaches put you in touch with? How do you know that out of those 120s, that's the right fit for you? And every year I go to showcases and I'll look at teams and I'll see kids sitting on the bench and go, you made the wrong call. You didn't pick the right prep school. You got bad advice. And, um, it's, it's just like your the parent in Dallas said, you know, they got sold a bunch of lies. I've done this for so long. I know the guys not to talk to. I know where the bodies are buried. I know which guys say one thing and uh, mean another. And I don't out these people. It's just, I don't deal with them anymore. And this came through a lot of trial and error. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes. I used to send kids to basketball academies, which I want to get into at some point here real soon to explain the yeah. difference. But, um, I've taken my licks and learned along the way. And it's not a perfect process. Like, you know, just because you pick what you think is the right fitting prep school doesn't mean you're going to get a D1 offer out of it. Doesn't mean it's going to be a rosy experience. Like no one, LeBron, Kobe, all the greats never just have a steady up climb without dips in the valley and, and good times and lows. So like there will be challenges in prep school just as there is in life, right? So we'll put you in the best situation with all the information we got but what's the outcome of that going to be? No one knows. It's a, it's a chance. Kids are betting on themselves. And you will get placed at a college at the end of the day because that's what coaches have to do. But is it going to be your dream school? Is it going to be the level you want to play? That all depends, right? So this is not a pay. This is not an option where you're going to pay money and then get an end result. You're paying for an opportunity to get all the benefits that come from prep school, all the exposure, all the emotional growth, all the physical growth. But what happens at the end of the day, no one knows. There's no crystal ball. Kirsten, if we had that crystal ball, we would be billionaires. 
mm-hmm. then that would also take the fun out of it too, right? Like not knowing what's going to happen, at least from our perspective as being in middle life, uh, can tell you like that's kind of the excitement and the fun of living mm-hmm. life, right? So yeah, that'd be my, my, my short spiel on that. Yeah, as you're speaking, I've got all these like great like examples popping up in my head of red flags. But what would you say are red flags to, you know, if you are like one of the parents that you're saying, you don't need a, co- a counselor, but what, what would you advise parents who are saying, okay, I'm going to try this on my own? What are things that I should look out for? I mean, like like the, oh, yeah, yeah, he's coming for free. And in the case, this lacrosse student got there and then she realized that, in fact, the guy who promised that he was coming for free actually had nothing to do with the school. Like, I'm like, how does that happen? So, well, that happens because they weren't talking to someone associated with the school. So first and foremost, talk to someone at the school, not some broker or middleman or street agent that's funneling players that way. All right. Make sure their address on their email has the school.org or .edu after it. Secondly, um, you know, the thing I don't like is when coaches promise playing time. All these prep school coaches are recruiting kids from around the world, from around the United States. And a lot of them don't see these kids in person. They're seeing highlight videos. They might see a game tape. And they've been doing this a long time that they know kind of what they're looking for and and what a good player looks like in a highlight tape. But they don't know when that kid shows up on campus, if he's going to be about what he thought, if the player's going to be worse, or in rare cases, if that player is actually better than he thought. Right. Mm -hmm. So when a coach promises playing time, it makes me pause because I'm like, how do you know how good that player is? And how do you determine how playing time is offered? So Kirsten, that's warning sign number one. Warning sign number two is when they guarantee like, oh, you're a guaranteed scholarship player. Like there are no guarantees mm-hmm. nowadays, especially post-COVID, especially with the transfer portal. So like playing time and guarantees of getting a scholarship, that scares me. And guess what? The coaches I work with uh, on a continual basis that we've sent a lot of kids to their schools, they don't promise playing time. They don't make guarantees. In fact, they say, hey, you might do all the right things, but I can't make a college coach give you a scholarship. Right. So we're going to do the best we can, get you seen, get your name out there. But at the end of the day, we're going to help you find the right fitting school at this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are D1 kids now post COVID that are playing D2, D3. Some are going JUCO because it's different now at the transfer portal. Right. So coaches are very cautious now to make promises because kids are going to hear that. Parents are going to hear that and they're going to hold them to that. So, yeah, warning signs would be playing time and promises about a scholarship. Um, so many questions. I, I saw another example that, that came up this weekend was, um, and do you hear about this in basketball as well, where they, the, the call, so they get to the prep school, they're playing with the prep school, and then they really want the number one player, but the number one player is rooming with the number three player. So they'll actually recruit both kids. And then if the number one player says yes, they take the number three player as well, or whatever, number whatever, five player. And then they've had the cases where then the kid decommits and then they just cut them. Yeah. College basketball recruiting is dirty. It is dirty. I know Rick Pitino got hired at Iona uh, the summer. And then in the summer, I think he, most of the kids left the team or he kicked most of them off, but one or two. And then he had to make moves fast. So he would go up to a player in their family and say, Hey, I'm giving you an offer. It's on the table for 24 hours. You don't commit. We're on to the next one. So a family might have it get a chance to visit, might not get to talk to someone in the business department, might not get to feel the energy of the campus. And I've had that in the past, even when I was coaching high school back in 2008, where a school came in and said, hey, uh, we want you, we're offering you, this offer is done tomorrow at noon. 
And guess what? College coaches can't wait either, right? They can't mm-hmm. wait indefinitely for a kid if he's going to look at other options and and this and that. So it is a dirty business. Coaches lie. Um, things are promised that aren't done. Something that's happening now, Kirsten, is that uh, colleges will promise illegally how much money you're getting in an NIL deal, right? Like, hey, come here, we'll give you a million dollars, but that's illegal to promise it, right? So a kid gets on campus and says, where's my million dollars? The college said, we never promised that. We can't do that. That's illegal. And then they'll be like, well, where do we get paid? And then that's why you're seeing a lot of transfers happen now with hiring players because of you know stuff that did not come through via NIL deals. So yeah, college recruiting has always been dirty. My dad, when he got recruited back in 68, um, they're promising my grandfather a, a farm tractor because he was a farmer, you know, in yeah. cash. And my dad's girlfriend could have gone to a certain school for free. You know, the movie Blue Chips, uh, you know, that's got a lot of improprieties in that, even though it's a movie from the 90s. So uh, yeah, it's, it's dirty. That's why there's good programs out there that have a long track record of doing things the right way that still win. Davidson comes to mind off the top of my um, top of my head. Um, there, Yale, a lot of Ivies do things the right way. There's many, many others. So it depends, right? It's if you got if you're a kid and don't have many options, like you got to weigh, weigh weigh pros and cons, and you're never gonna know. Even if it's a dream school, right? And you commit, you love the coach, they got a great culture, like the schools we just mentioned. It still might not go well for you. So everything you do in life, you got to take as much information as you can, make a decision and go with it because um, you're never going to know 100%. Hell, it's like marriage too. Like you, you think you know a person, but once you get married too, you know, things change, people change and uh, it's an inexact science. So you do the best you can with the information you got. I think the best analogy for me, at least what re- really resonated was it's like buying a house in a hot market. And like, you know, again, we don't have time, you don't have time to do an inspection. You don't have time to, you know, you're, there's 10 people walking through the house right now. If you want, you've got to come in with your best offer. So like, you better just take it now and it might not be on the market tomorrow. And the number of people that buy without getting the roof inspected on the 30 year old home and then it leaks and they're like, yeah, well, you know, we just, we felt like we had to, we had to make the purchase immediately. So again, you know, obviously, I, I completely agree with you. You can kick all the tires or whatever. Do do all the inspection reports and look at comps and look at ten houses, and you can still not get the right fit. But again, what I like to say to parents and and kids is, you know, at least you, you go in with making the best decision with what you have from where you are in the moment you make the decision. Versus, I mean, I out of Montana, went to San Diego State, having never been to the campus, never met the coach, never talked to the team. It was 1988. Like, ooh, San Diego sounds great. What could possibly go wrong? Right. Right. And then you get there and you're like, oh, the coach is kind of a jerk. And oh, you know, like it it was, but that's kind of how it ran back then. So you're like, okay. Um, But it, it is interesting to hear parents who get caught up in, and I guess that's what advice I'm hearing you say too, right? Is Okay, yes, you know, if it's too good to be true, if it's like if if they really want you, they've got to give you enough time to vet the opportunity, right? Yeah, and like you're hot, you talk about the hot housing market. You don't have to buy a house in the hot housing market either. You can go uh, you know, 30 miles away to a smaller town where you can actually get a better price, do an inspection, get a house you like. You might not be in the hot market, but there's a lot less surprises and a lot more due diligence done too. And I would say that's like choosing to go D1, which might be a stretch, or going to a good D3 school 
where you know you're going to play, the coach wants you, it's going to be a better fit, right? That's a good analogy you did, but you don't have to play that game if you don't want to. Yeah. Even with my second son last year, it was like, gosh, if he had one more year, I could get him into a high major. And I mean, then part of me is like, ooh, that's exciting. And then, I, you know, like, no, actually, I'd rather have him go somewhere where you know he's wanted, you know he's going to get, they're going to buy into, there's no guarantee on playing time ever anywhere. But but if you know that they're bought into you as a, as a person, not just as a number on the roster, then at least you have a shot at it going well, right? And then, and them saying, yes, I'm willing to invest. Absolutely. And, you know, I can speak from experience. You know, my recruiting experience was I had five members of my family before me play D1 basketball, right? So to me, since I was a kid, it was just, oh, I'm playing D1. It's, it's, just, it's just what we do in our family. Mm-hmm. And I was not a D1 player, right? Six, seven, 200 pound center. Uh, my dad was seven feet tall. Mom was 5'10". So I was just waiting for my growth spurt. And that hadn't happened. I haven't grown since 16. And um, I went to Air Force and was on the JV team there for three years and never touched the court uh, on a varsity game for one second, right? And went to an engineering school when I was a liberal arts guy. I mean, my mom was an English teacher, right? And here I am doing astronautical engineering and thermodynamics, struggling at a military school, struggling with authority. And then afterwards, I have to uh, uh, give five years back as an officer and 9-11 happens. And what came with that was a deployment to the Middle East for five months right when the war started. So I tell kids, like, I went to war to play D1, right? I did <laughs> classes. I had no idea what I was doing, barely surviving. I was on academic probation. I had to fight with authority. I had to wear a uniform. And I never sniffed the court for one second of a varsity game. So never got a varsity letter, never in the NCA databases. Um, when I think now, like, should I have gone to the better fit? Like, there were some D3 schools that wanted me. And I didn't want to stay in Kentucky, but, you know, should I have gone to a better fitting school right after prep school? But then if I wouldn't have gone D1, I would have always would have wondered what if, you know, what if I would have grown to be 6'11", right? And was at a D3 school transfer portal wasn't like it was now. Um, So there's no perfect answer, but I know, like, I know all the kids wanting to do D1. I know all the parents wanting their kids to go D1. I know the dreams of being St. Peter's or Florida Atlantic or Florida Gulf Coast and, you know, getting etched in, you know, the, uh, the history books of March Madness. I get that. But we know too much now. There's too much information out there. We've talked to too many people that have gone too high and transferred down at the end of the day because they realize, hey, playing at the D1 level is not all it's cracked up to be. It does not fill that hole in your heart mm-hmm. that has been there for so long. It does not make you... Um, it does not change you inside. We, you know, you talk about that too with celebrities. I mean, you live out in, in the LA area, like people get famous and, you know, they're not happy, even though they're rich, they're on magazine covers. Like it didn't fill the hole in their heart. Right. So mm-hmm. my whole point in saying all this is, and I say this in the prep school choosing process too, but you got to go where the right fit is and listen to people that say this, like prep school coaches are placing kids every single year at the next level. They hear the conversations. They know every one of their kids wants to play D1 pretty much. Mm-hmm. Right. And they've seen every year the kids that have gone too high a level. Heck, one of my clients went D1. I didn't think he was D1 at all. And he walked on last year. And uh, sure enough, this August, he's, he's texting me, hey, I'm transferring. You got any suggestions for me? You got any other spots? When mm-hmm. I knew he was going to a spot he shouldn't have gone, the prep school coach knows. Now that kid's going to be an advocate to other younger people that this might not be the thing. But this D1 thing, I know your kids are playing D1. And you know I was in it. And all my family was in it. Like, it's just not all it's cracked up to be, but for some reason, it's just the hot girl on the block that everyone wants to date. 
And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like, what about so your boys? Actually, tell, me, tell me about your boys because, like, they're playing D one now. Like, is the juice worth the squeeze to them? Are they are they enjoying it or? Well, the second son, he's had one game so far, so we'll tell you know, time will tell. I mean, they played yesterday against Brown and they won, and he got in for a few minutes, and he's like, "Wow, that was fun." Um, and, and we'll see. And my older son, he graduated from BU early um, because it wasn't what he had expected it to be. He's going to play D3 at Claremont McKenna. And I'm really curious to see. Oh, I, yeah. I bet you he'll have a ton more fun. He's got to get his MBA. He still has two years of eligibility. And, you know, so far the signs are he's like, I love the coach. I love the guys. I love that I, you know, that he goes, actually, I'm, I'm starting to miss basketball because we only practice three days a week in the off season. Whereas having it shoved down my throat eight days a week got to the point where you weren't as passionate about it. And this was the kid that like, I mean, we couldn't go on vacation without him pouting the entire time because he just wanted to be in the gym. And and when I remember going on the recruiting visits with him, he would ask, so how how many, like how many hours is the gym open? And they said, oh, there's a key. You can come in midnight. Oh, I can come in at midnight. Like he's that kid that like, that's all he ever wanted to do. And he got to the point where he wasn't enjoying it at all and, and also not reaping any of the benefits of the hard work he put in. So, yeah, I mean, I can speak from that wholeheartedly. And at the end of the day, it's a game. It's supposed to be a game and it's supposed to be a tool to help you get your education. And I get it. There's those top 1%. We can talk about NIL and all those people, but that's great if that's what you think this is going to be. But for most of us, regular athletes who even if you make it to the d1 level you're not making money off of this this isn't going to make you rich this is supposed to be a tool to help you get educated in my opinion amen concur yeah so let's talk about the academies because i think this is one of those you know like what what are they how do we know whether they're good or not like tell tell me the the ins and outs of, of basketball academies yeah so the thing about basketball academies is there's no there's there's no accreditation, there's no rules in place. So right now on this on this interview, we could start the Kirsten Corey Basketball Academy, right? And <laughs> we just get a website, gym space, a vehicle, and maybe a, a spot for kids to live in, right? That's it. There's nothing you have no other hoops you have to jump through, right? And we could schedule fifty to eighty games with JUCOs and other academies or JV teams, right? So I used to deal with JUCOs in the, or not JUCOs, but basketball academies in the old day. Because they were so affordable, right? So I used to work mm-hmm. with kids who, you know, might not have much money, might have 5,000 bucks, and these places would take them, and, uh, and they, they, sold, they sold me a bill of goods, right? Hey, we'll get them placed, you know, they get fed, they get trained, we get this many games, that many tournaments, uh, the usual uh, laundry list of things that these places offer. And then things started happening, right? Um, one place in Florida... Uh, I, I placed five kids there, two from the, one from U.S., one from Canada, three from Taiwan, and they weren't getting fed enough, right? Um, kids that were speaking uh, Taiwanese because they were from Taiwan weren't getting English training, right? Mm-hmm. I had a kid from America who came from a tough part of Connecticut who got a job at a car wash so he could get food to get extra or get money to get extra food to eat because he was starving, right? The basketball mm-hmm. court was in a strip mall, and in the middle of the court was a support beam on a sport court. Right now, this school's website had pictures of Jim Beheim being there, of uh, the head coach at the time, John Thompson III at uh, Columbia being here. And this coach did something so heinous that it was recorded by a player and ended up on Good Morning America uh, and ESPN Sports Center. And that place shut down. And I had five kids there. So 
it's it's making international news. I got to move five kids. This guy's threatening me, cussing me out, want more money, saying my kids have damaged stuff, which they didn't. And um, that was a big warning sign right there. That's the day I stopped. I said, I can't, I can't help everyone anymore. I can't trust Academy people. Even if they're doing it the right way, I can't trust that something won't go wrong, right? Another instance, I brought some kids over from overseas and put them at a little Christian school in the South. And uh, being a Christian school, the coach was cheating on his wife and showing the kids porn, right? Not, not too Christ-like. Um, and also lying about offers and stuff. And, uh, you know, I was going to move one of the better players and he threatened to pull the other kids out of school. And, and um, anyway, so I had to sneak the best player in Taiwan out at midnight one night and move his stuff out and get the other kids out of there like like a spy mission, right? It was like uh, Black Hawk Down. <laughs> and um, that was crazy. And then, and then here's some reasons. So, so that's the reason why I stopped working with academies, but they're still popping up every single day. And I get phone calls from them. Hey, hey, Corey, can you send me some players? And I just got to say, look, guys, like I, I can't do it. If you're around for 10 years, yeah, maybe. But here's two examples I want people to think about, right? One is Denver Prep. So I live in Colorado. Denver Prep's just down the road from me. And they had two of the top big men in the country. One signed with Arkansas, one signed with Colorado. And, you know, it was, it was funded by a financier in town. And they were in the grind session, had a whole facility. And an argument happened two summers ago. And the next day it was shut down. Money was done. There was an mm -hmm. argument. It was shut down. So these guys had to figure out where to go. And they scrambled and they found a place and they ended up in college. But one argument shut that place down, right? Or at a prep school... There's financial committees, there's boards, there's uh, endowments. That's not going to happen, all right? Mm -hmm. The second example is Donda Academy, out by you, run by Kanye West. Now, money's not a problem with that place. Kanye is a known billionaire, and he had some of the top players in the country. But if you remember, he went on an anti-Semitic rant. And the next day, every school on Donda Academy's schedule said, we're not playing you next year, and all the kids mm -hmm. just left. So that's not even a money problem there. That was an owner of a school mm -hmm. going, going rogue. Whereas at a real prep school, if the owner goes anti-Semitic or the, I'm sorry, not the owner of the president, he's fired and they'll get a new mm -hmm. president in and, and life will go on. So the thing about these academies, Kirsten, is that there's no fail safe method in place, right? Mm -hmm. One business thing or one thing like COVID happens or something you're not even expecting uh, takes place. These places can shut down. And every year about this time, I'm still waiting for my email this year from a parent that says, Hey, we just invested $20,000 at ABC Basketball Academy. It's shut down. The coach is gone. Our money is taken. Can you help us? Every mm -hmm. single year about this time in November, I get those emails. I'm waiting for it now. Um, but here's the thing. like, If you're starting a basketball academy, I always want to know, what's your why? Yeah. Right? What's your why? One of these guys is like, hey, I had an NBA lottery pick. I want to make sure he, he pays me. Right? He was very mm -hmm. honest, way too honest with me, telling me this. Um, other guys want to do it for the right reasons to help kids, but you know, that's fine too. But I always want to know what the why is. And also want to figure out the finances. Like, Hey, you got to house kids. You got to feed them. You got to rent gym space. You got to have other adults around to monitor them. Like, and you can only charge them so much. Like you're a basketball academy. You can't charge them prep school prices, which can sometimes end up in the 70,000 range. Like, how are you going to get paid? Are you looking to get rich on this? Cause you're not. How many kids you bringing in? You know, all these questions I have um, for these places, but I just, you know, if you can't afford a prep school, you don't have the grades, you know, I strongly look at a JUCO option, right? And my podcast, the Prep Athletics Podcast, has a JUCO 101 podcast where I talk to Brandon mm -hmm. Goble, 
who runs JUCO Advocate. He breaks down JUCO, and it's such a more affordable option than prep schools, but they don't have to place you, and you're around grown men, and a lot of it's last chance you. So it's a rougher situation uh, in most cases in a prep school, right? It's the real world right away, but that might be a better option if you find the right one versus you know, taking a chance on a basketball academy. Right. And I want and these the- basketball academies to succeed. I want them to succeed. I do. Yeah. It's just, I, even with the best intentions, one small mistake, Kirsten, and it's, it could be kaput. Well, and the other upside, I would guess, of a, of a JUCO as well is you can start getting college credit, right? So you could actually be working towards a four year degree, at least get your, your, you know, general stuff done. Yeah, you can. You can, but like I just went to a JUCO jamboree two weekends ago here in Colorado. There were 48 teams, tons of guys. And like, they got two years, right? And the coach doesn't have to place them. So you could, you could feel the desperation in that situation too. And that's, that's, that's dog eat dog real world as well. So you've got (laughs) options. You got real brick and mortar prep schools, but you got to qualify or have money or be good or something. The academies, but buyer beware right? Because of the stuff I just mentioned. And then you got JUCO as well, right? Which has its own set of challenges. So this is not fair. Basketball is not a fair sport. Bumping up a level is not easy. There's less and less spots. So I really, I'm very um, blunt to the point with this, like, welcome to life. Like no one's just going to hand you anything anymore. This is not communism where everyone gets a shake. Like you have to prove yourself. If you're good enough, if you're interesting, you've got good grades, you know, if you bust your butt, even then, you might not get a fair shake, right? There might be guys that you're better than that get spots because they had the right showing at the right time. So I, I am very blunt with this because a lot of, you know, I compare it to American Idol, right? You see the kids that walk in front of Simon Cowell and they, they're terrible. And Simon's like, you're not good enough. And they start crying and say, but my mom and family said I was a great singer. Of course they did. You know, they, they, they love you. They love your voice because it's you. But Simon works in the industry. He knows what it takes to play and sing at the next level. You know, just like me, prep school coaches, college coaches, we know what it takes to get to the next level, right? And it's not for everybody. So I'm very blunt because kids need to know this, right? Mm -hmm. Kids need to know, like, they're not just handing out scholarships at prep schools. They're not just handing out scholarships to kids that are 5'10 with a 2.5 GPA in the Northeast, right? There's, they're, they're like Toyota Camrys. They're everywhere you can find that kid, right? They're looking for the Bentley where there's not as many of them, the rare tall kid that can do everything, that has good grades. It's not going to get in trouble. Like, so anyway, it's just, I don't want to be sound like doomsday guy here. I want to be realistic Randy because there is so much delusion among parents and kids that just like, oh, I got to prep school and then go D1 or, oh, I'll just go to this Juco or that Juco. Um, it's not fair. It's not um, easy. But welcome to life. This is a great preparatory, not just for basketball, but for life. So do you have any, or maybe the gentleman you spoke to about JUCO, give you any data on what percentage get offers out of JUCO at any level? No, no and that's good. I don't, even know, I don't know if that exists, but yeah. it must. Okay. Because that'd it be must. interesting, right? Because we're seeing that with the transfer portal and the numbers I saw last year with transfer portal, and maybe they're updated now, but over 21,000 in all sports went into the portal and less than 50% found a home at any level or at a, at the same level or a little lower, I think. Um, so, you know, when you're seeing again that, Ooh, it's okay. I'll just transfer. Um, you can't assume that you're just going to throw your name. And, and actually I've heard quite a few stories this year of people, I know two athletes who got in the portal and got back out. 
went back and, and went back to the team that they were on. One, because he couldn't, he realized, oh, you can't just take all your credits and go to another school and, oh, they don't have my major. And even though they want me, I can go there. Not if you want to graduate. Right. And, and see, if I'm the coach in that team, I'm not taking that kid back because he jumped ship. I know. Right? So I, I find that very rare. And your stat you gave on transfer portals a few months ago, I've used that so much because check this out. I had a dad call me and uh, his son was a post-grad and they're like, yeah, we really want D1, but we got a lot of D3 offers. So I think we're going to go D3. And then after one year, put our name in the portal. And I said, that is the absolute wrong way to -hmm. think about this. Cause like, you know, and not just your percentage of people that go, but like my own clients who've gone the portal and just ended up not getting picked up. And I'm talking D1 kids who have not gotten picked up. Um, I've seen it firsthand or kids that do transfer and it's worse. Sometimes it's better. Yeah, but it's worse. So grass is not always greener. And every kid in the portal too, and coaches are finding this out now after you know experiencing this for the past few years, have some issue. They're tainted somehow. It's just like a divorcee. Whether it's that person's fault or not, there's a little bit of taint on there just because well, something, you know, something didn't happen. Um, not to say that there's not – you can't get remarried and make it even better. Not saying you can't transfer and go to a better spot, but there's just a little bit of taint on there for some reason – and just like inspecting a house, you may or may not know on the surface what it is until months later. And um, yeah, it's just tricky. So once again, look for the right fit. And guess what? I'm working on an article now about like alternatives to D1, like go Juco. Um, you know, maybe just stop playing basketball and go play intramurals and just pick a college based on the right choice. Every year I've got one client that goes to prep school and they decide that they're not going to play college basketball because guess what? It's too serious. It's too hard. So then they pick a college based on a place they want to go with a major they want to have, with an experience they want to have. And the prep school year actually helped them make that decision versus them staying with a sport they didn't like, picking a school that might not have been the best fit for them as a person, and then eventually transferring or being miserable. So prep school can do that as that well. That was definitely the way we went into it was he said that with our, with our oldest, he said this is, was his dream. So it can't be your dream parents. If your kid is saying, this is what I really want. It was like, I don't want to look back 20 years from now and wonder, like you said, if I could have gone D1. So at least go. And then just so you know, we may be filling out applications in five months anyway. Um, and you may be going to college right normally, but go in with that. And a lot of parents say to me, oh, so you do that and you get a D1 offer. No, like, or any offer. Like there are no guarantees in life, like you said, but if your kid is all in and you are all in on paying whatever money that you need to, then there is a chance, but there's also a chance it won't work. But again, death taxes, like those are really the only guarantees in life. Right. So, so if you go in it with that mindset then you're like, okay, at least I know what I'm going to get into. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. So let's talk about grades because this is another one that, Again, I hear a lot of parents like, yeah, well, this, he doesn't really need to get the good grades because he's a really good basketball player. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, again, it was, I'm on the book tour. And if I had a dollar for every parent who told me how gifted their child was. And, you know, and again, I get it. We all, you know, it's the most egoic thing we can do as human beings is procreate. Because that that's exactly what we think is, oh, my kids are so talented. One of this one woman, she's like, I don't want to brag, but he's really smart. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, and again, I love, of course, we all love our kids and we want them to do well. But when I hear a parent say, well, we don't really need to get good grades. It doesn't really matter because he's really good at shooting the three or really good at whatever. He's this height. 
what do you say? What do you have to say about that? First of all, I'm going to back up and say the one comment I get all the time is my son's a really hard worker. Right. And that's moot. That it should be. That should be like, Hey, my son breathes air. Like it's moot. <laughs> you got to be that if, uh, if you're going to play at this level, but grades, what I say to grades is, um, I use a clone analogy a lot, right? So you got two exact clones, of the same player, right? Um, so college is recruiting the same player, but this one has a 3.8 and this one has a 3.0 every time a hundred out of a hundred, they're going to take the kid with the higher grades. So if you're a guard mm -hmm. out there, if you're any position, uh, the higher the grades you have, one, the more colleges are going to be open to recruiting you. And two, it's going to, um, it's going to just make you more desirable, especially in the close competition. Like if you're a guard, you have to do everything right. So you have to hit the shot. You have to make passes. You have to be a leader. Um, you have to um, you know, be able to handle it against pressure. You have to play D, lock the other guy up. So, And there's tons of kids around the world that can do that, right? Guards are everywhere. So what's going to separate you, right? Good grades help, right? That you can control too. You can't control mm -hmm. a college coach giving you an offer. You can control your grades and how good they are, right? Mm -hmm. You can study. I know tests are optional nowadays at a lot of places, but you can still take an ACT or SAT. And if it's a good score, you absolutely want to share that with a coach and you can get tutoring, get a max score uh, and not even a max score, but you can improve your score with tutoring and practice to the max amount you can get. Right. And every point you go up, every, every level or every point of GPA you go up, some schools give you merit money for good grades. Right. So it can mm -hmm. actually put money in your pocket at the end of the day. Right. So to me, um, grades have to be a, a signifier. And I've seen kids who have gotten academic scholarships, right? Because of good grades. And then they've spent on the basketball team. So the basketball team's been able to save their money or a scholarship for another kid. And this kid can use academic money. This is more at the D3 level where they do a lot more packages. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I didn't have good grades, I would not have gotten uh, to the Air Force Academy. It's that mm -hmm. simple. And my life would have been completely different. But uh, yeah, you got to work on that because it's just, you can't have a weak spot nowadays if you want to get to that next level. So good. All right, so we're running out of time, but let's merchandise, let's uh, summarize kind of like what would be, again, the top things you started with, but again, for the parents who are going through it for the first time, because I know it's overwhelming, what are the main takeaways that you would say for if you're trying to do this on your own, uh, what, what are the big, big things to look out for? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd go to brick and mortar prep schools, not basketball academies. All right. Some prep schools have academy in their name, like Worcester Academy. All right, Vermont Academy. Those have academies in the name, but they're not basketball academies. All right. Uh, look at the websites of these places. The NEPSAC is a big league in New England. That's where 95% of the basketball prep schools are. Um, you go to any of those schools, they're not going to shut down. A few are struggling because they don't have full paid Chinese kids anymore, but um, I think uh, you're going to be all right with those places. There are other prep schools out there. You got the military schools in Virginia. You got IMG and DME, which are two academies I do recommend down in Florida. You've got your schools in Pennsylvania, like Phelps, Mercersburg, Kiskey. You got a couple schools in Ohio, like Andrews Osborne and the Western Reserve. You got Lake Forest in um, Chicago. Wasatch out in Utah has been around over 100 years and they're dominating now in the basketball circuit. And you got a few more, but most of them are in New England. So I always suggest if you're doing this on your own, like make sure it's a legit school. See if they got a Wikipedia page, Google the coach, make sure he's not been in trouble. Most of these guys have not been. Um, and then talk to multiple schools, right? You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket with one school. Talk to multiple schools. If you're talking to a school that's double A 
uh, in NEPSAC. Talk to look, you know, look at their schedule, see who they're playing against. Talk to a lot of people. Kirsten, when you were looking for your son, you talked to so many people and they gave you a lot of different ideas. When I started doing my prep school tours, probably 12 years ago, I asked all my college coaching friends, Hey, if I only went to three prep schools on a trip, which three prep schools should I visit? And the common denominator of those were Wooster Academy, St. Thomas More, and Northfield Mount Hermon, right? Those were common mm-hmm. denominators between all these coaches. So I made sure I visited those three schools first. And guess what? All three have legendary coaches coaching at them. Mm-hmm. And then they'll help you too. Like these guys help each other out all the time. They're not, they're, they will get competitive and try to get a player, but ask them too. like, Hey, I know we're talking to you. Like, is there any other couple schools that might be a good fit for us? Um, go on the roster, see what kids have been there and, you know, then went to college, reach out to them on social media and say, Hey, can we talk to your folks or something? It's so good as part of your due diligence to talk to kids and the parents who have gone there because they're going to give you a different take than the coaches. Right. But you know, for me, there's me, there's a couple other prep school consultants out there too. You know, we're not cheap, but we're an insurance plan that can help make sure uh, you're talking to the right schools. Cause all this due diligence I'm talking about, Kirsten, I've done it. I spent 15 mm-hmm. years doing it. I spent a year at prep school. So I know the feeling my cousin who spent his senior year of high school at a prep school played four years at Purdue and 14 years in the NBA. So I know what it's like for him doing it too, right? I've helped families from every level of player from Brewster and ACC big 10 kids down to high academic D three down to Juco down to not playing basketball at all. So what I would suggest is, and I'm plugging myself here, reach out to me. I respond to every single person that reaches out to me and I pose questions to you. And through those questions, we figure out real quick if brick and mortar prep school is the option for you. Now let's say money's not, and money's an option. Money's something you got to think about and you can't afford prep school. You're not good enough. You can go to a basketball academy. There are good ones out there. I can't recommend any because I just, you know, once I, like I said earlier, there could be one false move that shuts a place down, but there are good ones out there. There are ones that develop kids, take care of them, place them in college. I'm not going to recommend any, but you can do your due diligence and find out pretty quickly which ones um, are decent. But just know these guys say things. It's just like college. They might say things that might not be the truth. It might be what you want to hear. Think of it like a used car salesman. All right. I got duped in the old days. Right. And I visited these places. I asked them the tough questions because I didn't have a kid in the fight and I got duped too. Right. So it's it's a tough world to navigate. But like Kirsten did with your two boys, um, you did so much due diligence that you came up and you I couldn't have done a better job because you took mm-hmm. the time. So just don't just do a few emails, take coach's word for it. Do due diligence. And on my website, prepathletics.com, I actually have, uh, I think it's 25 questions to ask a basketball academy coach. You know, Google their name. They might have been arrested, right? Uh, be, I'll be, I'll be, you'd be surprised how many felonies there are among coaches out there that run these places. Um, and they'll all have an excuse for that, but, you know, see if there's complaints, see if they've been investigated in the local, uh, newspapers article about malfeasance. You know, it's just, it's amazing. Cause I all, every time someone reaches out to me, I Google the name of the guy, the prep school, sometimes they don't even have a website. That's a problem, right? So anyway, that's, that's about the gist I can give you for doing your own due diligence, but the more you do the better. And it's your kid's future. If you're the kid doing this yourself, it's your future. Like why not spend a lot of time on it? right? Take the time you're on social media. Don't do that and spend it on Google, asking questions, sending emails to people, doing your research. And, you know, 
it's 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 very important. And maybe one distinction too, I was just thinking as you're talking, I agree with hundred percent with everything you're saying. And, love the questions that, that I always kind of came up with a list of questions that I wanted to ask. But one thing too, is if you're reclassifying, so your kid could be going out there as like a sophomore. So now you've got three years or potentially, you know, three years to, to be able to make the starting roster. But if you're going out there as a PG, you only have a year, or actually really you don't have a year. You have a couple months to make an impact. And one of the biggest uh, tips I got from Robert Eichardt at BTI was make sure you're one of the kids that you know, you can't be the ninth or 10th or 12th guy on the roster. You've got to be an impact player because, again, yes, there's open runs where the coaches may see you, but you, you want to be playing, you know, you want to be a critical part of that, that formula in order for them to be also saying, gosh, this is a kid we can place, right? That's true, but there's another thought to that too, Kirsten. Everyone's okay. got their own opinion on this, right? The other thing is, say, you're the ninth or 10th guy at Brewster, right? Brewster sent 19 guys to the NBA. They just had a, you know, one of my clients there just committed to Georgia Tech. Another big guy just committed this week to Purdue. I mean, it is high major central. And I remember the first time I visited there, the very last guy on the bench ended up going D1. I think they had 13 guys signed that year. Um, and that's, that's, an, that's not normal. But those guys no. at the end of the bench, you know, they've got 250 coaches coming in every fall open gym run to see these guys. So if you're the 15th guy on the bench or 13th guy and maybe not getting as much run in a game, you're guarding high major players every day in practice, right? That's something to be said for that too. Now, it might not be the best experience for you because it is important to get run during games, but there are pros and cons to each. Being a part of the team versus having exposure and playing with good teammates. Like, there's no right or wrong reason. But, you know, one thing we didn't get into, but my advice to kids when you've got options and you are choosing a prep school is to pick it based on your relationship with the coach, right? Mm -hmm. Which coach do you want training you at 5.30 in the morning, right? Which one are you going to get excited to wake up for? Which coach do you want determining your playing time? Which coach do you want calling college coaches on your behalf? So to me, it's more important about the kid's relationship with that coach and how excited he is to get in that foxhole with them versus if it's NEPSAC, AAA, AA, single A, whether you're playing a lot or not. If you're playing a lot for a coach you don't really like as much, I don't know if that's the best experience versus maybe playing five minutes a game, going up and practice every day against better players, but it's a coach you, you, know, you would die in a stake for, right? So yeah. to me, that's my thesis sentence always is the coach. Yeah. And, and ultimately he needs to sell you. So you've got to have a good relationship with him to feel like he's actually doing that. He's, he's going to promote you whether, and again, I think the best prep school coaches will be very honest with you up front and say, look, you're not a high major. You're not a mid major. You're a low major or you're a, maybe a, a high D two. We don't know yet, but the ones that'll tell it like it is because they've been doing it for so long. Well, ultimately, even if it's not what you want to hear, will help you, you know, again, A, be trying to be thinking about where you're really supposed to be placing yourself. And then parents, you know, they, they um, Worcester Academy, they, they've told me, like, there's a lot of parents that, you know, the kid is okay being high D2 and the parent is like, no, 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 we're D1, we're D1. But getting both the parent and the child on the same page, and to your point about loving the coach, I mean, luckily for both of my sons, they found great fits in those coaches. Um, in fact, they're, Jamie reached out to me that, you know, and speak to those guys all the time. Jamie reached out to say, you know, he goes, I just loved your son. He goes, the first practice, I was trying to be this really intense, come on, guys, we're going to have the, you know, this is going to be a really hard season. 
And he goes, your son's like rolling his shorts up. He's making, you know, he's, he's being a goofball. And he goes, he just started, I started yelling at him and he started laughing in my face. And he goes, he gets it. He's like, he's so like, this isn't that, this isn't, this isn't that serious. He goes, I had to like check myself and go, okay, come on, lay off. Um, but I love coaches that can laugh at themselves, that can understand like, okay, I'm in charge, but I mean, he's not being disrespectful, but being, um, being, having the permission to be himself. And when your kid can be themselves, they have a chance of growing and into something more that they could, than they could have been had they not. And if you pick a militaristic style and you're just supposed to stand in line and follow the X's and O's and, you know, then the kids call, call home saying, gosh, this is not fun because I don't get to, I don't get to be who I'm, who I'm meant to be. And that regiment you just mentioned there might be the good fit for some kids, right? It, it's a case by case basis. This is so personalized to every kid, right? And when I reach out to prep school coaches for a client's, you know, for, on a kid's behalf um, and send the profile to them, I have no idea which coach a kid's going to connect to. Sometimes a coach will call the kid in two minutes and be on him hard. And the next kid I send that coach, he just yep. takes him two weeks to get back to a kid. Some kids, I think, will thrive under a certain coach. The conversation doesn't go well. Um, so I have no idea, you know, from my vantage point on which kid's going to connect to who. But that's why, you know, those conversations are so important. And then if they can visit the school and actually see the coach in person, feel the energy of a school, you know, see the campus, get the vibe in person. That really um, solidifies things for kids. But every now and then I get families that come back from these visits saying, we love both these schools. We have no idea which one to choose. Like, we want to marry both women. It's like The Bachelor, the, the final two. <laughs> the guy, everyone's crying because everyone's in love and the guy's got to make a choice. You can't go wrong, right? It's like giving you an Audi, a BMW, Mercedes. Like, these are all luxury cars. You can't go wrong with your choice. It's going to get you from point A to point B, but what, you know, what comfort, what features do you want in this ride? Which one do you want to put your butt in to get to the finish line? That's what it's like picking this coach. And my job as a consultant for these families is to make sure they have a hard decision because they've got such great options, or it's not a hard decision. They found the coach they love. It clicks. The kid wants to do it. The, the coach wants to do it. He is going to get playing time. He's going to be an integral part of the team. It's a win-win. Everyone's excited. Like that's always the goal. And it happens so much that it's just so fulfilling. But there are times when kids go through the hoops, uh, pick a school. And then, you know, I get a phone call that things aren't what they thought. And that happens too. But that is life. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is life. A hundred percent of marriages don't make it. People don't stay mm -hmm. at their jobs for 40 years. There's always constantly changing aspects. And just, that's why I just want to get that out there. Like you got to be fluid. You got to be able to you know, be like water sometimes and, and deal with things. And guess what? You've got to be able to handle adversity. The one thing me and parents, five and two-year-olds talk about in my community is how do we instill grit in our little girls? Because if they've got grit, they've got kindness and just a little bit of business sense, they'll be able to be fine in anything in life, right? So mm -hmm. guess what? You're now 18, 17, 16, looking to go to prep school. You better be able to handle adversity or you're not going to be able to handle prep school ball, juco ball, academy ball let alone college ball, let alone life. So we are prepping you for life, not just in basketball, but to handle like, you know, when things go tough, which you and I both know, life does not yeah. go as you always planned. And this you know, sports in general are to prep you for that too. So I love what you said too, about coming down to two being in love and not knowing which one. And the one thing that again, I learned with my sons and one thing that I'm super proud of was that when 
CJ did. He was down to two. He was down to Vermont Academy and Worcester, and and we couldn't decide. And they kept wanting both wanting them. And and I said, okay, well, whoever you go with, you're going to call the other one first, and you're going to say thank you so much for this opportunity. And he had just you know connected with the other coach first, and that was fine. And when he did that. He left the door open for his brother because two years later, when his brother was looking to go, Worcester wasn't like, you know, f you. Like they, they were like, oh, this is awesome. Like we would love to still work with you, right? Versus, and to your point, even if the first one hadn't worked out, they said, and I had some college coaches say that too. Well, if it doesn't work out, call me. I, you, the fact that you actually called to tell me that you're not coming here, so many like. The kid doesn't call. The parent doesn't call. They just ghost you. Like, I don't even get a, a text for thanks for spending five hours or whatever, hours and hours recruiting my kid. You just like, we're just not going to respond. No, like that that's the gift in this whole thing is maybe you never make it, have your name in the rafters, but you learn how to communicate. You learn how to advocate for yourself. You learn how to say yes, but you also have to learn how to say no in a graceful, kind, respectful way. Yeah, guess what? That phone call that your son made to uh, Worcester Academy, he had to make that same call too when he was picking colleges, right? Yes. Hey, I'm going to commit here, but I got to call these other guys and let them know my decision. And those are tough phone calls. I had to do that too with Army twice when I made my, because I initially committed to Navy, I had to call Army and say, sorry. And then when I, Navy fell through and I committed to Air Force, I had to call Army again yeah. and break up with them <laughs> twice. Hard phone call. I still remember that. It, it made me sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. Um, but guess what? Once again, we're prepping each, prepping people for life here. And I tell my kids too, Kirsten, like if you talk to that folks, coach on the phone, you can't text him that you're not coming. You have to call him. And guess what? These coaches, they, they appreciate that. They're not going to chew your head off. If they do, I'm going to make a mental note of that for future kids and, and give that coach feedback. But they're all supportive. They, they know what a tough position it is. They know what a tough phone call that is for the kid to make. But they appreciate it because they know you're starting to grow into a man or woman by doing that. So, yeah. 100%. And that's why, too, you don't want to burn any bridges because the basketball game yes. is, is such a small world. These coaches and players and everybody are, are moving spots and changing seats all the time. And you do not want to burn a bridge. The coach assistant at UNC Greensboro, I remember him saying, he's like, we really want Parker to come here. And the second best answer I can get is no. He said, if you will call me and if it's this isn't for you, that's okay. But then I can move on. If, yes. you know, we really want you, you've taken all the time, we've taken all the time, but if it's not the right fit, it's okay. But if, as soon as you can move on, then, then it allows us to say, thank you very much. And so that, that I actually, I love that. I think that's, and again, that's part of the game and they know it. Like we get broken up with all the time. We have kids say no all the time, but at least give us the courtesy of, of saying that. And that's something too, I want to, want to touch on. Like there are some prep school coaches that do not get back to me when I send them a player and it really makes me cautious to wonder if a college coach reaches out to you, are you getting back to him? So if you are reaching out to prep schools on your own and a coach is not getting back, he doesn't want you. Move on, right? Move yeah. on. Because you do not right. want to try to convince someone that you're the one for them. Because if they want you, you know it pretty quickly, okay? Yep. Yep. That's good. Oh, so much fun. Thank you so much for being on, for taking the time. I always love chatting with you. Um, tell them one more time where everybody can find you. And I love parents. Again, even I, I have a friend too. She's like, maybe considering it. I'm like, just call them. Like, again, we, we, that's how you're going to decide. Okay, great. We definitely aren't doing prep school. Fine. But what is it? In, you know, 30 minutes of your time will help you make that decision. You may learn something about it in the process that, that you can make a better one. So 
uh, where can where can people find and follow and reach out to you? Yeah, social media. I, you know, you can follow that or not. We're bo- boosting that up a little bit more. Um, but my website is really where there's just a pot of gold for every prep school question you have. So every every question you have, I probably thought of it, wrote it on there, and wrote an answer. Right. So there's a good information on that. Uh, I got my podcast as well to where you know every now and then I'll do a one off and educate people. But I, I've interviewed a lot of prep school coaches too, right? So if you are talking to a prep school, there's a good chance I've interviewed the coach. Check that out because now you're going to get an hour to hear what they got to say versus maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and you can go to prepathletics.com and sign up for the newsletter. It comes out monthly. A lot of good information in it. And um, yeah, reach out. Corey at prepathletics.com, C-O-R-Y. No E in there. And um, I'll answer any question you got. Okay. Now, I'm not going to tell you which prep schools to go to. There's a lot that goes into that. But um, yeah, I want to be a resource for the world and just be an advocate for this niche that changed my life, changed my cousin's life, changed your kids' lives. Right. So, um, and my goal is to be, you know, um, do as best as I can, serve as many people as possible because prep school can change lives. And I want to change as many lives as possible by letting people know about this opportunity. And once they know, making sure they're talking to the right people and ultimately ending up at the right fit for them. And you're a girl dad. So are you helping girls as well? Or is this only boys? Help girls as well. I am much more uh, versed in the boys uh, market. I've placed kids at 55 different prep schools for boys, but um, the girls game is growing and there are quite a few trusted schools I work with. So yes, I do girls as well. Other sports, maybe one day in the future, but right now it's just basketball. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Corey. Parents, check out his website. Reach out to him if you're interested. Go out and buy the book, Raising Empowered Athletes. Um, Yes, I'm finding fun. People are finding, devouring the book, devouring the podcast. And they're like, hey, I want to find out more. So thank you so much for, for listening. Thank you, Corey, for being here today. Parents, parenting is hard. Coaching is hard. Being a kid these days is really hard. So that's what we hope to do here at Raising Athletes is talk about these issues, bring them up to the top, come with some solutions. And when we know better, we do better. We've got this. Thanks.